0: I think that's good. Let's go into uh, our scripture. We're in Psalm chapter thirty. If you turn there in your Bible, Psalm chapter thirty. We're going to be, like I said, finishing up the uh, the summer in the Psalms series uh, with this psalm. So I'm going to pray for us, and I'll read the scripture, and uh, and then we'll we'll break it apart. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we're so thankful to be here today, uh, gathered God around Your Word. We thank You for allowing us to learn from it, and God, we ask now as we go to Your Word that you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive, that, God, you would, you would help shape us in more and more into the image of Jesus, that we would be conformed into his image, not our own. That God, we come here with, with humility, and if we don't, God, I ask that you would help us lay aside any of the pride that, that rises in our life. God, you would help us to focus on you, that you might increase and that I might decrease. We thank you for that. Be with us now as we go through your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've seen this culmination of David's uh, worship of God, and really, just the last three or four chapters have really been like God, David just really going to God saying, "You are amazing. You are exalted. You are God," and it help, should help us get a perspective in our own lives that that He. Is God and that we are not and even know, even now as we go into Psalm 30 we see this Psalm of praise uh, and and what we see here is is the new the newness uh, that Jesus brings the newness that a relationship uh, with God brings so we're gonna we're gonna have fun looking through this today and, and today's title of the sermon is new beginnings and we're gonna see all of the ways that we can be made new and the ways that, that David speaks of here what, what new things come about uh, now when I say new beginnings uh, for, for many uh, it really is renewed beginnings because for many of us, we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, and, and He's given us new life. We have a new beginning. He's, he's taken the old and it's gone, and now He's made all things new. But life goes on, doesn't it? And as we go through life, there's turmoil, there's, there's stress, there are stressors, and, and we can kind of get discouraged and despair a bit. And we need to be reminded, right? It's reminded about uh, the new things that were. Uh, when we came to faith in Christ, so we are renewed, right? So for many of us, uh, this is going to be renewed beginnings. So as we go through the text, we can see that in that light. For David, uh, of course, it was a renewal, and, and he saw that as a renewal. So today we're looking at new beginnings, or renewed, right, uh, as we need to be reminded. And number one, in, in new beginnings, oh, I didn't read our text, did I? Let's read, read our verse. Psalm 30. Here we go. I will exalt you, Lord, because you have lifted me up. And have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. You brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. Sing to the Lord, you faithful ones, and praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning." When I was secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you showed your favor, you made me stand like a strong mountain. You hid, uh, when you hid your face, I was terrified. Lord, I called to you. I sought favor from my Lord. What gain is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will, will it proclaim your truth? Lord, listen and be gracious to me. Lord, be my helper. You turned my lament into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Now, a wonderful psalm of praise and just a declaration from the heart of someone who who understood what new beginnings were all about. So as we look at this, we see number one, uh, in our new beginnings, there's a new victory. Number one is a new victory. And we'll look at verses 1 through Three here. David cries out, he says, I will exalt you, Lord, because you have lifted me up. You have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. Now, if you look at the text of Psalm 30, uh, right before that, there's a superscript that's, that, that's kind of a title. And it says uh, a psalm, a dedication song, for the house, it's a Psalm of David, uh, and some say it's a it's a dedication song for the house or or the ha- or the temple, and some say it's a it's for the house. Of David right and and we're trying to figure out what does that exactly mean and really commentators aren't really sure because David of course wasn't the one who built the temple right that was that was later on with his son but but David did secure the spot for the temple he did secure that site so as we look at this psalm there's there's an important thing to kind of figure out some context right we always want to kind of figure out what context may be happening and I think there's really kind of two contexts that there could be this could be a dedication song for the house of God that David hadn't built, but David knew was going to be built, so he said, I'm going to dedicate this song, and it's going to be something we sing inside the temple and at the temple and at the dedication of the temple in order to praise God for what he has done, how he has drawn us up out of the pit, how he has rescued us, and that we will proclaim his love forever. So that's one thing we see and we see that uh, that kind of played out in Saul or in Second Samuel. I'm not going to read this, but in second Samuel chapter 24, uh, you see that after the procurement of the site for the temple, David does something because he talks about him himself being healed in here, doesn't he? It's not just that we're going to praise you for, for who you are, but you've healed me. You've, you've taken care of me. And, and we're going to see some, some uh, of the life of David here where there's some pride. And he thought he had it all together and he thought he was secure in his own ways. But then what happens? He falls, right? And, and as he falls and as he feels that despair, he realizes that he was prideful and he turns back to God. So really important for us to understand that after he, he procured the temple, temple location, he, he went into this, this uh, he had an opportunity to uh, count people and he, he shouldn't have counted his people, but he, he numbered his people and he did it sinfully against God. And um, when he numbered the people, the Lord brought a severe plague on the land. So he went, he sinned against God, and he did something he shouldn't have done, thinking i'm 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 David. I do what I want. right? And He had this pride in his heart. And so he counted the people. and and the plague came across the land. Now, although David was not personally uh, struck by the plague, the people were, and his spirit was likely in great distress because of what was happening because of his own sin. And so that's kind of what I believe is the context for this passage of Scripture as we read it. The other one would be for the house of David, that David wanted his house to be a house dedicated to God, his own house. And that, that his house would be secure and, and be, be on the solid rock. But as we look at that, there's not really a lot of indications around that with a healing happening or something happening uh, where he was prideful in that, uh, maybe in his in his uh, dealings with his son. but either way, here's the deal. David had at times been prideful. David had at times taken matters into his own hand, and David uh, often had to go back and repent of that, and in humility turn back to the Lord as God. and and this this praise, this dedication, is saying just that 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 and it's and that dedication is timeless, right? For you and I, it means everything today still, that we, we still need to look at our own hearts and, and not be prideful. We need to examine our own ways and we need to humble ourselves before the Lord and exalt him only. So as we look at this, we see this new victory that God is, that he's praising God for. So he says, I, I will exalt you, Lord, because you have lifted me up. You have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord, my God, I cried for help and you healed me. Lord, you brought me from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. So he, he's saying, listen, God, I, I, you, you did something here. I, I want And he, he describes this. He says, you lifted me up. The text is literally saying it's like a bucket. Like if you were to draw water with a bucket in a well, it's that, that you, the, the bucket goes down and it twists and turns and you, you draw it up. He's saying that about how God rescued him. And that's so important for us to see that imagery, that we were in need of, the, of this rescue. We were, we were in the pit and God put his bucket down there and said, I'm going to lift you out. Right? He's the one who pulled us out of the mire. There's no way we could have got out ourselves. So David is realizing this is all about what the Lord can accomplish. Repentance from pride is a timeless theme, right? And the context here is it's not about me, it's about him, God, right? And we need to understand that. David, David's saying that. God, you're the one who does the rescue. And I'm going to read a passage out of Psalm 18. We've, we've studied this before. It says this. I love you, Lord." And here's all of the attributes that He, he ascribes to the Lord. And, and this is important for us, because if we're going to ascribe and exalt God for who He is, and we're going to make Him more and us less, we need to say, these are attributes of God and not me. So look what it says. It says, "The Lord, I love you, Lord, my strength, so the Lord is my strength, which means I am not my strength." right? The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock, which means I'm not the rock. The Lord is my fortress, which means I am not the fortress. The Lord is my deliverer, which means I am not the deliverer. The Lord is my God, which means I am not God. The Lord is my shield and the horn of my salvation, which means I am not. He is my stronghold, which means I am not the stronghold. And, and the psalmist says, I called to the Lord. I call, why? Why did he call to the Lord? Because he's the only one. He's the only place we can go. He's, he is everything and we are nothing. We, ha- we don't have it all together. We don't have it all in line. We can't save and rescue ourselves. So I called to the Lord, who, by the way, is worthy of praise, he says, and I was rescued from my enemies. I was saved from my enemies. You see, there's this humility that has to take place. If we want a new victory, we have to be in that place of humility, right? And God gives us that new victory through himself. He is the rock. He is the horn of our salvation. He is our stronghold. And we see this victory was won for you and I through Jesus Christ. And the author of Hebrews, he says, we have this great high priest, right in Hebrews chapter four, uh, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. So he's saying, hey, we have, we have this person to focus on, this great high priest, so let us hold fast to this confession we have, this confession of belief in Jesus and trust in Jesus, not our own self, in Christ. And he goes on and says, because we have this, this high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, and, and what it means to go through the, son of, the, the heavens, he says that it's God who has come from heaven and came to earth and put on flesh and he's the one who died for you and for me. That's what he's done. And and because he's done that now, he's not only stayed dead, he rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven. And then he goes on in verse 16, he says, Therefore, let us approach, let you and I approach the throne of grace with confidence or boldness. That what? That we would receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, David understood that, that there was mercy and grace to be found at the throne of God. It wasn't to be found in his own ability. It was at the throne of God. And he would only have new victory because of the victory that God would have. And for you and I, we will only have new victory because of the victory that Jesus Christ has had. Well, he goes on in his passage in chapter 30. And we see new beginnings. Number two, he sees a new hope. So we have a new victory that's only accomplished by God and for us through Christ. And in and, and Psalm 30, we go on that there's a new hope to be had. Let's look at that in verses 4 and 5 back in Psalm 30. A new hope. He says, Sing to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and, and, and praise his holy name. For his anger only lasts a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. You talked about this, uh, this the faithful ones. Sing to the Lord, you faithful ones. Who are the faithful ones? It's the ones who cried out for mercy to God. And what did he do? He scooped them up, right? He, so the faithful ones are the ones he scooped. Cry out to the Lord, you scooped ones, you faithful ones. It's an invitation to worship. But, but why? Why is it an invitation to worship? What is he seeing here? What's he saying? He says, we're going to praise him. Why? Because his anger is only lasts for a, a moment. He didn't say, we praise him because he's not angry with us. He said, we praise him because his anger is only momentary, but his favor lasts a lifetime. And he goes on to clarify this a little bit. There's this, this analogy of, of God's wrath or God's anger and then God's, God's mercy and grace and, and the, the favor. He says, weeping, weeping, may, sorrow, right, might stay overnight, but what? There's joy that comes in the morning. So there's there's some contrast here, right? There's weeping and sorrow and despair, and then that contrasts with joy right and and renewal and hope that we contrast also with overnight or the nighttime with the daytime right with the morning and and what does that give us a contrast of the the darkness and the light and we see that there's there is despair there is sorrow but but joy comes in the morning and and the renewal he's given us is a new hope and and that hope we have to understand is a deep hope that only is rooted in in that momentary anger. There is momentary anger, but that momentary anger for you and I was placed where? It was placed on Jesus Christ on the cross. God's wrath was placed on Jesus so that you and I could be free from God's wrath through faith in Christ. So we're reminded here to thank and to praise Him that His anger is only momentarily, and it was ultimately put on Christ, but now through faith in Christ, you and I have eternal favor a favor that lasts a lifetime we have been brought from darkness into his marvelous light and and how by his faithful love by his faithful love. see david is realizing when he's in this spot of new beginnings and and knowing new victory and having new hope that it wasn't based on something he did what happened was an attitude changed, right? And, and he he was able to, to see the favor of God upon him and the covenant love of God pursuing him. And he cried out to him. And, and and it was by his, God's faithful love that he was rescued. Psalm 6, 4 and 5 says, Turn, Lord, rescue me. Save me because of your faithful love. Right, Save me by, by your faithful love. For there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can thank you? In Sheol, right? Once we die and go to the pit, there's no there's no praise coming there. There's no thankfulness coming there. I want to thank you now, so rescue me now. Remind me that I have new hope in you because of your faithful love. Psalm 90 says, Satisfy us, God, in the morning, right? This is that, that nighttime to morning. Satisfy us in the morning with what? Your faithful love. The reminder is God's faithful love is constant. His anger was momentary, and there is despair, but his faithful love is constant, His favor will last a lifetime. So satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love so that we might shout with joy and be glad all of our days. See, David understands this. This is a renewed spirit, a renewed hope from God. God has given us this renewed hope by his faithful love. Isaiah says this a little more strongly. I want to read a passage out of Isaiah 54. It said, the Lord says, I, I deserted you for a brief moment, right? This momentary anger. I deserted you for a brief moment, but I will take you back with abundant compassion. So there's brief moment and abundant compassion here. There's a huge difference. We, we tend to dwell and sulk and get all sorrowful in this, in this tiny moment of despair. He's like, hey, my, my compassion for you is abundant. My love is abundant for you. My favor for you, it lasts a lifetime. So I'll take you back with abundant compassion. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but I will have compassion on you with everlasting love, says the Lord your Redeemer. It's an amazing thing. There's an everlasting love there that, that is from God. It's not just this moment. And again, that momentary anger was placed on Christ. So we, we need these new, uh, our lament to be turned into to, um, uh, to joy, right? We want to have, have sorrow turned into hope. And we see this in lamentations. He's lamenting, saying, remember my afflictions and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. And, and, and he says, I, I continually remember these things and become depressed. Listen, church, is, is there a lot to become depressed about in this world? Oh, every day. I, I mean, I have to fight it every single day. Like, like, look at the sorrow, look at the grief, look at the despair all around us. And, and yeah, uh, I can continually remember those things. And, and, I've, and it's, this says, I've become depressed. But here was the yet I will part in this lament. The writer says, yet I call this to mind. So again, we're, we're reminding ourselves, we're renewing ourselves, right? I call this to mind, and therefore, I have hope. Well, whatever he calls to mind better be darn good, right? If, if, if he's reminded about it and it gives him hope, he says this, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. Oh, man, that is amazing. God's faithful covenant love, in His faithful covenant love, His mercies never end. Our sorrow, our despair may last a moment, but His mercy, mercies never end. He goes on though in verse 23 of Lamentations 3. They, there's mercies, they are new every morning. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So I say, the Lord, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in Him. The Lord is my portion. See, David understood that. He knew that, that the Lord was his portion. The Lord was his food. And you think about that, that we need food. We need sustenance to survive. What he is saying, what the, what the author of Lamentations here was saying, this, this lament was saying that, that the Lord is that. The Lord is what I need to survive. We saw it in, in uh, Psalm 90, that satisfy us in the morning. Like we want to be satisfied, sustained with sustenance in the morning. And we find in Lamentations that, that the Lord is actually our portion and therefore we'll put our hope in him. You see, that adjustment has to take place for us to have this new beginning and a new hope. We, we turn to the one who is our hope. The Lord is our portion. But here's what's important to understand. I, I want to make, make sure we understand this. We, we think about sorrows, right? He takes the sorrows and, they, and, and, and he gets rid of those and they're, now they're joy, right? Now I have joy. And, and sometimes we think that way. Sometimes we think our sorrows will end and they'll be gone and all there will be is joy. We'll be happy all the time. And that's not implied. And and what really happens here is that God, He doesn't take sorrows and remove them and put joy in its place, but He turns sorrows into joy. So in order to turn sorrow into joy, you and I are going to have to have some what? Sorrow in our life. He turns sorrow into joy. I'm going to read one passage out of John chapter 16 when when Jesus is speaking he says truly I tell you this is John 16 20 through 22 he says truly I tell you you will weep and mourn but the world will rejoice this is this is how it is to live for Christ the world is out partying having a good time and we are weeping and mourning you will become sorrowful but he says your sorrow will turn to joy your sorrow will turn you will be sorrowful but your sorrow will be turned to joy. And he goes and gives an example of this. And I've said this, I don't know, months ago in a sermon, I I use this passage. But he said, when a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. You see the analogy there? It's it's hard for, for pregnant moms. It's hard. Right, there's times of, of really difficult times, health, emotions, spirit, all of that going on during a pregnancy. And it doesn't just stop once the baby's born, right? But all of that, that grief and, and that, that wondering and that fear, eventually when that child is born and that child is just in that mama's arms or even in that daddy's arms, I know what it feels like, right? To, to have this love and this joy that you could never explain. Everything else just disappeared. And God took this sorrow and, he, and this pain and he turned it into what? He turned it into joy, So Jesus goes on, so you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one can take away your joy from you. What a blessing. What a promise there. Jesus says that no one's going to take your joy away. When your joy rests in me and your hope rests in me that I'm going to come and that I'm your Lord, no one's going to take your joy away. I'm going to take those sorrows that come your way, and as those sorrows come, you remember me and you focus on me, and I'm going to take those sorrows and we're going to turn them into joy. You see, you and I will see sorrows, but He can turn them into joy. And He brings new hope. Number three, we see in our new beginnings, we see a new heart. A new heart. So to have on your notes. Is that what it says on your notes? A new heart, good. We have a new heart. So go back to Psalm 30. We're in the verses 6 through 10 here. Let's see what happened. Right? Where did we come out of here? What was happening? We saw that he was singing praises, right? That his anger only lasts a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. He's talking, he's, just, he's reassuring himself that there's newness here, there's hope here. And he goes on. Looking at this new heart, he says, When I was secure, so he said, I can trust in you, you're gonna bring hope, you're gonna bring joy. Then he goes into this little little segue. When I when I was secure, I said this. I will never be shaken. You ever say that? I will never be shaken. I got this, I can handle this. I will never be shaken. Lord, when you showed your favor, you made me stand like a strong mountain. When you hid your face, I was terrified. Lord, I called to you and I sought favor from my Lord. What gain is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your truth? Lord, listen and be gracious to me. Lord, be my helper. It's a wonderful cry, but it's a wonderful example and a wonderful reminder for you and I to get over ourselves. We oftentimes have pride well up inside of us and David was exactly there. He was in this attitude of pride. Pride. What did he say? He said, I'm secure. I'm good. I've got this. I will never be shaken. What David needed was an attitude adjustment. And you know, an attitude adjustment should accompany a new hope. If if we've seen that we have a new hope, we should be like, you know, I have a new hope. And that new hope came from God's faithful love. So I'm going to trust in him. But see, when we have a new hope, we're like, I'm on top of the world. It's great. It's all going wonderful. I've got this under control. And now I'm secure. I'll never fall again. The moment you say, I've got this, what happens? You don't got this. You lose it. The moment you say it, you lose it. Psalm 10 really describes this. Psalm ten three through 6 says, The wicked one boasts about his own cravings, the one who is greedy curses and despises the Lord. In all his schemings, the wicked person arrogantly thinks, There's no accountability since there's no God. His ways are secure and lofty judgments have no effect on him. He scoffs at all his adversaries. He says to himself, here's here's what we say also. He says to himself, I will never be moved from generation to generation. I will be without calamity. Uh Oh, not a good thing to say. That is absolute pride, isn't it? That I've got this under control. No one one can do any different here. I'm on top of the world. David realized he had done that, he had said that, and he had, he had an attitude of pride in what he could accomplish. His hope was in his own security, not in the one that actually secures. Do you see the difference there? We, we put our hope in our security, our place, our position, our standing. Our circumstances come up like, hey, I've, I've got this, it all feels good. But we forget the one who brought us that security. Our hope should not be in security, it should be in the one who brings Security. We see Proverbs says what? Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before the fall. You see, when pride wells up in us, that's when when we feel that God hides his face from us. His favor is no longer there because he's not the one that wants you to take credit. He's the one that says, I'm the one that gets the credit. I'm the God who gave you security. I'm the God who gave you salvation. I'm the God who gave you hope. I'm the one who lifted you up with a bucket out of the pit. I'm the one who should be praised, is what God says and we think we're on top of the world. Well, that's going to come before a fall, and certainly we may feel that his favor has been removed from us. Pride comes before the fall. Um, I I got a story to tell. We were at a, a baseball game Friday down in the Bay Area. It was good. It was a fun time. Yeah. Uh, watching the Dodgers and Giants play, a good time. But but we've gone to several games throughout the years, and I, I was with Chase and Alistair, and our wives were there. And and Chase has been to several games with me a lot of times, and and uh, we've we've made fun of him for several years now, because he he has got the opportunity many times to catch a ball, or or a ball comes his way, or it's it's real close, and and probably a couple times maybe he could have actually got it if he fought somebody right, but but we 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 build it up a little more than that and make it bigger than it is. And we give him a bad time. Like, don't, don't, don't do that again. Don't, you know. So, so this time I I was going to show him, I'm like, I I brought a baseball glove this time to catch a ball because I, I could certainly catch a ball. So it's, it's the first inning. The first inning hasn't even started. Or no, it did. The first inning started. started was going into the second inning and we, we found our seats, we made our way there and, and they're warming up on the field, right? The outfielders are throwing balls back and forth to each other, keeping themselves loose and warm and I'm sitting in my spot in the bleachers. I've got my glove on. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great and the game hasn't really, the inning hasn't started. They're just warming up. Well, the outfielder that get done, gets done warming up, it starts, he throws the ball. He's like, he throws the ball in the stands, just throws it up, right? And he throws the ball up in the stands and that ball catches my eye. Like, oh no, there's a ball coming this way. And it was a little off course. It wasn't really right to me, but it, it hit some, hit some chairs and bounced around and bounced around some rails and rolled over towards me. And I had a glove on my hand. I'm like, I had the glove. Here it is. And I, I go down to get it. I'm like, I need my bare hand, but I have a glove. And I just, I smashed the ball. I smashed the ball down to the concrete, right? With my glove. The problem is there were other people who wanted that ball more than me. And my glove, smashing it down, didn't work out because now I couldn't grab it, right? So I'm, I'm trying to reel around and, and what happened, it got bumped and kicked around again and went down to the next bleachers and someone else got it. Chase, would, Chase did not see that, by the way, which was a good thing, right? But as, as it would happen, I had a Dodgers fan who, I mean, I'm a Dodgers fan, and I'm a Do- he's a Dodger and they're sitting right behind me. Now, and, and you think Dodgers fans would have your back. Well, as soon as my friends came along, my wife and I were there, and then Alistair and his wife and Chase and his wife, they came along, they sat down, the guy behind me realizes they're my friends, they're like, oh man, I can't believe it, he missed a ball a minute ago. Like, oh man, all this pride I'd had, and like, I'll catch a ball, I'm not, I would never miss a ball, and Chase is the oh, pride comes before the fall. I didn't come home with a ball. Well, I came home with a ball that I brought to the stadium, but I, I didn't take a ball away from the stadium. So there's two of us now. Alistair's our last hope. He's got to catch a ball next time. So pride comes before the fall, right? Um, but no, I want to I go back to our text here. In Numbers, I want to read a, a passage of scripture that, that talks about this as well um, and, and how we, how we get this, this peace back when we get the Lord's favor. So the Lord's favor is often removed because of pride. But in humility, the Lord's favor returns because he wants to be in charge. He wants to be the one that continues to give security. He wants to give peace. So we see this in Numbers. It says uh, in verses 26 to 24, may the Lord bless and keep you, or protect you. This is a famous song also that's sung, but may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. That's what we want. We, We want to have peace from the one the only one who can give it. And there's a connection here that the Lord blesses us and protects us. The Lord does that, not us. The Lord blesses and protects us and that brings us peace. So my renewed heart then can say from Job 10, you gave me life and faithful love and your care has guarded my life. That should be what's on our lips. When we talk about a new heart, we, we say, God, I want to I get rid of my heart of pride and my ego, and I want to get a heart of humility, trusting in you. And when I do that, I will say that you gave me life by your faithful love, and, and your care has guarded my life, guarded my heart. He's renewed us in that way. We have a new heart. Finally, in, in New Beginnings, our final thing is we have a new song. We have a new song. If we continue on in our text. Verses 11 and 12. You turned my lament or my sorrow, my sadness, into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Amazing here how there's a song involved. And even this morning, as we sang a couple songs, uh, to the Lord. I, I, I just think it's so important for us to understand we overflow with that from God, that we, we trust him all the more because of what he's done for us. And David understood this too, that, that if there's something new that has to come for me, I better sing a new song. And it's so helpful to sing a new song. That's why I, I urge you, I, I, I tell you, sing to God. Worship God. Turn on the worship uh, music in your house, whether it's an old hymn station or old hymn CD or whether it's a new praise and worship song. Get some singing happening so that it resonates in your heart, in your mind, that it comes out from you, that that it turns the perspective away from you and towards God. And if there's any Christian music that's turning the perspective away from God and towards you, delete it, turn it off, overlook it, move on, and go find the stuff that exalts Christ and reminds us of the joy and the newness we have in Him. But we should sing a new song. Isaiah chapter 61. So the Spirit of God is on me, Isaiah saying this, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide those who mourn in Zion. So there's this idea of this lament into dancing, right? This, this sorrow into gladness. Uh, to, to proclaim, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify Him." See, there, there's a so that here, right? And we, we need to understand, in, in our Psalm 30, there's a so that, that, that you've turned my lament into dancing, you've clothed me with gladness instead of sackcloth. So that, so that what? So that I can sing to you and not be silent. You see, there should be an overflow out of the overwhelming joy we have in Christ Jesus. So that my, I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord, my, my God, I will praise you forever is what the psalmist says, what David said. So for in, in Isaiah, he says, uh, they will be called tree, uh, righteous trees planted by the Lord in order to glorify Him. Jumping down to verse 10 in that same passage, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. I exalt my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation and wrapped me in a robe of righteousness. You know, as we look at this new song, here's where it comes from. It comes from knowing that I once was fill in the blank, but now I am something new, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And and we could go on and on with that list of what I once was, but now am in Christ. And that is the point of this renewal, of this new beginning. We have a new song because we once were but now we are something different. When we once we dead and now we're alive. God has pulled us from darkness and into light. He has given us forgiveness. We once were lost and dead in our sin, now we are alive through Christ Jesus. Our final passage out of Psalm 86 today, verses 12 and 13. I will praise you with all of my heart, Lord my God, and will honor your name forever. For your faithful love for me is great, and you rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. So for you and I, as we look at new new beginnings and look at this time of new, maybe you need a renewed beginning. I need to go back through this psalm and say, man, God, what are you trying to teach me? What what do I need to do in humility to come to you and find rescue and trust in your faithful love to secure me? And be reminded every day that you are the one who secures, and my hope is not in the security. My hope is the, in the one who secures me. And as I hope in you, I will also trust in you, rest in you, and I will praise you from the overflow of my heart. I think some of us don't do a good enough job praising from the overflow of our heart. Let's praise him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love, your grace, your mercy, God, your faithfulness. We thank you that you are the Lord who who saves, that you, you Pulled us up out of the pit in a bucket, Lord, like, like drawing out of a well, you rescued us. God, we couldn't climb out of that on our own. So God, help us focus on you. And, and because, because, God, you've given us security through our faith in Christ, help us not become prideful, thinking, oh, we've got this handled now. God, our trust still remains in you. Not in our security, but in the one who secures. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.